deduced from our brand new theme music, which we are all very proud of here. Uh, you are now listening to Are You Telling Me? The podcast where history comes alive for one guy. And his name is Mike Russell. That's right. And I will be his erstwhile guide to the mists of time and history, Doc Steve Trollinger which is the nickname I'm going to try to get going, because everybody who tries to get their own nickname going is instantly the coolest guy in the room. It's well known. Ah, uh, Steve, I love how you are claiming that that righteous uh, suffix of doc without without the proper PhD requirements. Without any work, <laughs> any, any work required to do it. Um, but I did a lot of work. I did a lot of research, which we're going to suffer through today on our new episode. Uh, special thanks to, if everything went right, to uh, the creator of our new theme song, my, my good friend Andy. His uh, yeah, music, Andy! His music uh, uh, and DJ business will be uh, hopefully listed in the show notes for this episode as well, so you can go check out his great work and perhaps hire him, uh, send some money his way. I got some, I got some does, does, he, uh, does he get paid in Dogecoin? I don't know that he's into the Dogecoin, Mike. I'll ask him next uh, time. <laughs> See, he might be an old man like me and have no idea what you're talking about. What is this crypto? I like a good old U.S. dollar. That's Crypto's better than the U.S. dollar. It doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting that you bring up Doge. I can't oh. believe this is the segue. <laughs> uh, this is the thinnest segue I've ever come up with. Wait for it. So Doge... Doge, much like the uh, historical leader of the city of Venice. Venice? Why, that's in Italy. <laughs> Italy? Wow! <laughs> Italy? Why, that's the country we're going to talk about today. Uh, not obviously the whole country, because, oh, God, that would take forever. Um, oh, we talk about, um, oh, man, let me, should I guess? Should I guess? Are we talking about Mussolini? No, we're not talking about <laughs> Mussolini, and... I don't know how to feel about how the, f the very first thing you think of is I'm going to talk about fascists. <laughs> We've talked enough Having about fascists. Having fun with fascism, our next Fun podcast. with fascism, <laughs> yes. Welcome to Fun with Fascism, the first podcast that will be taken off this platform before the episode is even done. No, we're going to go back quite a bit further. I don't know if you... I, one of my most fond and cherished memories is the trip that my lovely wife and I took to the grand city of Roma, or Rome, as the English call it. Uh, have you ever been, Mike? Uh, you know, I, I haven't. I really want to go. Consider me, I got, I got a bug of the Coroma virus. Uh, I wish I could travel to, to Rome real bad. That's Okay, you've already, you've already ruined the episode. <laughs> so many people have turned this off now. <laughs> It's pointless to continue, but we will continue. Look, Nick's not here. I'm trying to fill in for the puns, okay? Oh, well, all right. Let me let me say, let me focus in a little bit. Are you familiar with a gentleman? And I should also mention up top, we're going to uh, change our format a little bit. Uh, the whole come up with three different things to talk about was exhausting, uh, and usually resulted in an episode an hour and a half long. And I know none of you want to hear us talk for that long about anything. So we're going to focus in a bit. 
And uh, the next few episodes, we're going to start talking about uh, not more generic subjects, but we're going to focus in on one particular topic, and maybe we'll extrapolate out from that topic certain things that touch upon it. But I feel it might be a little bit more focused than we were the last few episodes. You know what I love about that, Steve, is, you know, I feel like I can retain what I'm going to learn a little easier now. We'll find out today. (laughs) If by the end of the episode you have no idea or cannot possibly remember any of the names I've discussed, we'll see. But I know the first name, and this is the name that I can't imagine you will ever forget, and it has nothing to do with the Ninja Turtles before you even uh, fucking start on me. How'd you know, how'd you know I would guess that? <laughs> the, the name of uh, a particular man by the name of uh, Michelangelo di Ludovico Buonarroti Simoni. Does that name ring any bells? Obviously the first part of the name... You know, I always consider myself a Michelangelo. Uh, You're, you consider yourself a Michelangelo. In what respect? In what artistry are you a Michelangelo? And don't say Doge. Don't say crypto. <laughs> no, I mean, we have the same name. Yes, you kind of have the same name. He's okay. My, he's, he, <laughs> that's my Italian brethren right there. Yes, he is. Uh, he he is from Italy. You know, uh, I like Mike's. I like all sorts of Mike's. Like Mike's, Michael's, the Angelos of Mike's. You know, all us, all us Mike's got to stick together. The Mikey's, the Angelos, <laughs> every guy, the guy who makes my sandwich down at the deli. Pretty sure he's named one of those two. I even, uh, I even open up uh, my arms to a few Marks out there because you know when people mispronounce my name, they call me Mark. Well, that's just wrong. That's just <laughs> completely incorrect. It's rude almost. Uh, they put it on my, my ID badge one time. Yeah, Mark. Here you go. Yeah, that's your name. Yeah, no, happy that's, birthday, Mark. <laughs> that's completely my different. <laughs> my name's Mike. You have to change so much of my name to come up with Mark. So so Michelangelo. Tell me, tell me about Michelangelo. Michelangelo. <laughs> Michelangelo. Born in 1475 in the Republic of Florence near present-day Tuscany. Uh, I won't get into the history of the Italian peninsula, but it is a history rife with uh, warring kingdoms. Uh, the country we know as Italy, Mike, didn't actually exist until the later, later part of the 19th century. Uh, for most of recorded history following the fall of the Roman Empire, the peninsula of Italy was actually just chock-a-block with tiny little countries, and they all had different types of governments, and they were all fighting each other, trying to basically claim as much dominion over the old Roman em- the you know the historical home of the Roman Empire that they could um, and so you would have like the city of Florence which we know used to be its own country a city-state the Republic of Florence uh, 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 the, you know Rome uh, then believe it or not uh, the Vatican called the papal states at the time the Pope actually owned quite a bit of land on the Italian Peninsula. Ah, uh, back when the Pope had real power, right? This... <laughs> yes, he did, actually. And we're going to talk about one or two of those Popes with real power today. Um, popes uh, with other power. Than... <laughs> popes with power. And I should mention the episode title I came up with for this one, The Agony and the Ecstasy and the Nudity. Agony, Ecstasy, Nudity. Yes. Uh, Boy, these Romans are always having a good time, no matter how horrible it's going, huh? Yes, though there's going to be a lot less of uh, the, the not much of the fun nudity. This is more of an artistic kind of nudity. The worst kind. Or I guess the worst okay. kind. Oh, the worst kind <laughs> of nudity. I'd rather there be no nudity at all. Well, you might get your wish, Mike, that I just made you say. Uh, other than the sub, 
Other than the subject we're going to talk about today, he's known for the marble statue of the biblical King David, uh, the Pieta, which is a series of sculptures depicting uh, Mary holding the body of Jesus following his crucifixion. Oh, wait, the, he called the Pieta? The Pieta, yeah. It's oh. actually a series of statues. It's not just one. He did several of them. I just, uh, I was just imagining like a bunch of statues for like Pieta of like, of like a holy Jesus holding different animals. Holding a dolphin in his arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the the great the great statue of Pita. <laughs> no, unfortunately, so. they 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 did not uh, they did not all feature different animals. They were pretty much just that one statue done over and over again. Pieta. Okay. Um, okay. I I mentioned up top that uh, I had I had visited Rome uh, a year or two ago. Um, and it was my, first, real, my real first time out of the country, and I had so many interesting experiences. I hope I can bring them along as we talk, because that trip sort of inspired the thing I'm going to talk about today. It actually, uh, we took a guided tour of Vatican City. So we actually had a single, it wasn't a group tour, it had a single tour guide take us around the entirety of Vatican City and tell us an entire afternoon's worth of fun little facts and, and little known uh, pieces of history that I want to try to get across today because I consider myself very well educated uh, to the point of being insufferable. And <laughs> a lot of the things that she told me about, I had never heard before. So I, I hoped, uh, and they oh, were you kind must, of, so you were, you were, the, you were in her ear being like, are yes. you telling me lady? <laughs> I was the one saying, are you telling me? That's true. Though I didn't actually say that out loud because that would, that would be That'd be a weird thing to see. There's a lot of parts of the Vatican that you're not supposed to be very noisy in, uh, oh, including a, a very specific part that you're not allowed to talk at all in, which we're going to get to here in a second. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit more my, about Michelangelo. Few may know that he actually began his, his career as an art forger. So he was an art forger. That's how he got started. You know, like all the greats, a true criminal. You know, that's where that's where the the roots need to start. If you're not doing crime, you're not doing it right. Is that right, Steve? No, that's not <laughs> what anybody should take away from this. It have it worked a couple of times, maybe, but not all the if time. If you want to be great, if you want to be the best, you better commit some crimes. That's all I'm saying. That's that's what I'm learning. That's <laughs> well, in this case, that's true because in 1496 he made a cupid figure that he treated with acid to make it look ancient. So he sold it as an ancient Cupid statue. Really? He just spilled the acid all over it? Yeah, he just made it look, you know, like you like a piece of parchment, and then you like set it on fire a little bit to make it look like it's it's been around a while. Or like dip it in some sort of brine and make it all crinkly. So he sold it to a dealer, who then sold it to a cardinal. But the cardinal was so impressed by the... The cardinal knew it was a forgery immediately, but was so impressed by the quality of the forgery that he invited Michelangelo to Rome and became one of his first patrons. You imagine uh, that conversation? Hey, hey, Michelangelo, I really like this uh, Cupid statue you got here. Uh, it uh, looks real old. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, it's authentic. He goes, no, 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 this, this, is a, this is a forgery. You are a fraud, my good man. No, 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 no. And I, I want I'm a cardinal. <laughs> I'm a cardinal of the Catholic Church. You don't shit a shitter, my friend, okay? <laughs> All right? You think any of this stuff I'm talking about is true? We make this stuff up on a daily basis. I know what bullshit looks like, and this statue is bullshit. But I also know what good bullshit looks like, and that's what this statue is. So here's some dinars. <laughs> <laughs> this is some good bullshit right here. <laughs> and some, I know some good bullshit. This is some good bullshit. 
Uh, Michelangelo was famously, we like to put these people on pedestals, much like they put statues on. But what we really don't know is that these people, what we really don't think about when we think of these historical figures, is that these were real people. And that more than that, these people were artists. And we know artists today are weird, angry, like malformed on the inside, just real like crap people, right? <laughs> just, well, just real. <laughs> just real shitheads. You, you need a real piece of shit to make some good bullshit. That's all I know. That's <laughs> And Michelangelo was famous for being a real cantankerous B-word, bastard, bit, either or. You could easily <laughs> describe him as it. Um, he didn't really have any friends, and he considered most of his famous contemporaries like da Vinci and Raphael to be his rivals. So he, they, they, he basically, even if they don't do, even if they didn't do anything to him, the fact that they existed and were considered in certain respects equal to him pissed him off to no end. And he had to make sure that everyone knew that he was the head dick in charge. Oh, what a wannabe alpha. Huh? That's uh... <laughs> and I actually have a great, I have a great example. Uh, uh, one day, uh, Leonardo da Vinci was passing through the Piazza Santa Trinita in Florence, and there were some gentlemen that were debating Dante, the, uh, uh, the writer, Dante Alighieri, in front uh, of a palace. And they called Leonardo over and asked him to explain the passage that they were puzzling over. And at that moment, Michelangelo happened to come along, and Leonardo basically pulled him into the conversation and suggested that the sculptor, Elucidated. Michelangelo was primarily known as a sculptor, not not a not a painter or inventor. Um, but uh, this proposal annoyed Michelangelo because Leonardo addressed him in the disrespectful "to" form of Italian. So he didn't respect. He didn't give him the. He didn't give him the. Uh, the they you know, form is. The- is the voo form the good form? Oh, no, that's the, French. The, the the what in this this? Well, I was thinking more like the Spanish usted. Uh, but they, they didn't get he didn't address him in the right form. He basically called like you, the informal you, as opposed to the formal, like a respectful between masters sort of thing. Uh, so Michelangelo snapped back and basically said, you explain it yourself. You who made the design of a horse to be cast in bronze, but who was unable to cast it. And with that, he strode away, leaving Leonardo standing there, made red in the face by his words. Now, don't ask me what any of that means, but apparently it was a huge insult. <laughs> yeah, this guy thinks he can do some bronze casting. I, right, this guy right here. You ain't I no think, casting. I think he was basically like, oh, I'm a sculptor. Uh, what do you mean? I'm a sculptor, so I'd be better to talk about this? Fuck you. You don't even know how to sculpt, you stupid, you stupid bitch. <laughs> I assume that's what that uh, in that insult meant. Why don't you go back into coding, you fucking nerd? Is that what he said? <laughs> Kinda, yeah. You don't know what you're talking about. But that won't be the uh, first. That wasn't the first or last time that Michelangelo was going to be a jerk. Um, but it's okay because he was a jerk among jerks, as we'll discover. Now, I mentioned before, there's one place in Vatican City where you're not allowed to talk at all, and that place is the Sistine Chapel. And now we're going to talk about a lot of things today, like the Sistine Chapel and St. Peter's Basilica, that a lot of people probably have vague recollections of in their head. They know it's a thing that exists, and they know it's very important, but they don't probably know this, what exactly went into making these things the way that they are today, these like facets of our grand cultural heritage that we, as the human race, have left for ourselves. And Mike, you have a very perplexed look on your face, which leads me to believe I'm correct in my assumption. <laughs> 
yeah. I'm just I can't get over the fact that they're you're not allowed to talk. Yeah, it's 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 actually it's actually the Sistine Chapel is actually the Pope's personal chapel. That's his that's his like you know how like rich people like rich landowning gentry would have these massive estates and they'd have their own chapel on them and they'd have their own chaplain there so they wouldn't have to go to church with the common folk. Well, the Pope has his own chapel and it just so happens to be the holiest chapel that ever chapeled. Ooh. So, Steve, <laughs> I got a question for you and it's not are you telling me. It is, do you think, um, do you think we could look at chapels as like really expensive um, telephones to God, you know. I feel like these chapels exist to be uh, to to become uh, more closer like phone to the booths. great. I would say more of a phone booth. They're giant phone booths, right? They're expensive yeah. phone booths, um, but it's it's you know the nicest, the nicer and holier ones you got, the 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 better your uh, your bars and connections. Yeah, the, 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 the more bars GOD. you get. <laughs> The Sistine Chapel's the 5G of chapels, okay? You get get clear reception everywhere. There's no clear reception than the 5G Sistine Chapel. Uh, It uh, maintains its position as the Pope's personal chapel to this day. Uh, So it's actually—it's very nice of him to allow just hundreds and thousands of strangers to, like, trudge through it on a daily basis. So that's kind—he doesn't have to do that. Uh, and in fact, when he does need to like, like, tre- when, we actually experienced this when we went to visit the Sistine Chapel, when the Pope has to go through places in, uh, in Vatican City, they basically like lock you down in, like, if you're in the Sistine Chapel and the Pope has to go somewhere nearby, they lock you in there until he, fin- until he walks by. <laughs> so like, Steve, are you telling me that the Pope has a case of like, uh, he ate some bad sushi? Okay, and he's gotta he's gotta run to the bathroom in the Sistine Chapel. That they don't lock this shit down until he takes care of himself. I mean, I he should be mention, in there, but, he could be in there for hours. I <laughs> should mention it, it's not just him. It's especially it's more specifically when he has like a like a head of state visiting or something like that. Like if you had like if the president was there with him or the Queen of England was like walking through. Uh, Vatican City with the Pope. They would not want those two people in one place at one time surrounded by thousands of us common folk. So they basically, they're just like, we just got to wait for them to, you know, like finish taking their tour and then we can let you out of the Sistine Chapel. It's like, all right, well, I guess if I'm trapped in a building and I don't know when I'm going to leave, I guess it can be like the holiest place on earth. Like, (laughs) <laughs> with like the best artwork humanly possible, literally humanly possible. So I guess that's fine. That's fair. But speaking of the artwork, yes, designed by architect Baccio Pontelli at the behest of Pope Sixtus IV, for whom it's named. If you're wondering why it's the Sistine Chapel, it's named after Pope Sixtus. So it's just a Six Sixtus Sixtus S I X T U S. And he was Sixtus the um, Fourth. The fourth. There were th- three other think, Sixtuses. I wish there were six Sixtuses. I feel like Sixtus the Sixth would have been the best Sixtus. I feel like ever given given <laughs> those numbers, I feel like they probably would skip over that one if they did get to it. You don't think they'd be six? Isn't a great six? Isn't a great six? Ain't a great number in the church. Is all I'm saying. The uh, uh, 
Uh, so the Sistine, you're getting hung up on all the wrong things, Mike. So <laughs> I'm so I'm so I'm just fascinated by <laughs> by Sixtus the Six, by Sixtus the Six, <laughs> and I, in the Sistine Chapel, in the, in the Sistine Chapel. Yeah, that's uh, okay. Now most people know the Sistine Chapel, the the famous ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, which was that's painted what by Michelangelo painted. Correct. And yes, it but him, actually, it took him forever, right? It took yeah well yeah I'll get to that um, the interior frescoes would be painted not just so it's not just the ceiling but the actual like walls all had these little frescoes like individual like master artwork paintings like little bits of the wall here or there are all covered in artwork by a who's who of Renaissance artists between 1481 and 1541 uh, including Bocelli. Uh, Sandro Bocelli, Raphael, and Michelangelo, all of them had a hand in painting it. So when I say it's like every bit of that chapel is covered in master artwork, it it is. Like the most famous artists that have ever lived, they all had a hand in painting it. Where's um, where's Master Splinter's uh, artwork? I-, <laughs> I told you to keep that Ninja Turtle shit on lock. <laughs> We're not making Ninja Turtle jokes today. You're the one saying leonardo Raphael, michelangelo like i mean all of the missing now wait are you, te- are you steve are you telling me that master splinter wasn't based off of a famous artist he was sorry, just bo- a rat i'm sorry i'm gonna ignore the stupid shit that you're saying mike because i made a horrible error it's botticelli sandro botticelli not but because i'm thinking of i'm thinking of the singer probably is what I was... All the Italian names just started blending in for me in, like, that same moment. Ah, uh, so all Italian names sound the same to you, Steve. Is that it? Kind of. <laughs> so, Sandra Botticelli. So, I apologize. Botticelli. Yeah, so I'm ignoring... I'm ignoring your, your... You're trying to drag me down to your level, and I'm trying to bring you up to mine, okay? <laughs> Pull me up, Steve. Get me out of this ditch. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Now, in 1508... So, like, it took between 1481 and 1541 for the whole chapel to get painted. All right, so 60, now, in 1508, 60 years. We got 60 years of painting. Yeah. In 1508, and, Sixtus's successor, which is a hell of a thing to say, and I'm glad I've got this pop filter, um, his successor, Pope Julius II, one of the most famous popes to have ever lived, commissioned Michelangelo to repaint the ceiling. Because at this point, the ceiling wasn't actually painted with anything. It didn't have these massive frescoes. It was actually just painted blue and dotted with gold stars. That was the whole ceiling for the first, like, 20 or so years that they were painting the oh, whole chapel. No. <clears throat> oh, man. what? And you know what? what? Nobody knows what artist did that, do we? Uh, no, we do. <clears throat> oh, we do? I did not write it down, though. <laughs> Steve, so, are you telling me we don't we don't have the name written down of the, of the great artist who did Blue Skies, Nice Stars? I believe that's what he called the piece uh, on the ceiling of the Sistine, Ch- <laughs> Sistine Chapel. Look, I have a lot of stuff to get through. There are certain things I had to leave on the... I'm already going to introduce a bunch of characters nobody's ever heard of. I'm sorry I didn't think to put the name of the guy who painted the original chapel ceiling, okay? You know, I thought he had it bad enough that... Mikey came in and painted over his masterpiece, and now we now we're not even writing his name down. Look, he's lost. He's lost to the sands he's, of time. He's not. We have it. I just purposefully didn't include him, which is worse in a way. Um, a little bit I should mention because he's a very important figure. Pope Julius II um, 
Solid Pope, right? Good Solid pope. pope, known as, y'all like this, known as the Warrior Pope, and also as the Fearsome Pope. Battle Pope, I call it, but that's you just me. <laughs> Good old Battle Pope. He's the, He was the Pope that was like, hey, you know that Fifth Commandment? Let's just... We can forget about that for a little while. We gotta, we gotta fight. Thou shall not kill unless you're in my space, bro. Uh, this, this I'm, should. I'm instru- killing in the name of God, so it's okay. God says it's there, fine. And I, and last week, and last week, I coveted my neighbor's wife in the name of God too. And you know, God I mean, told me <laughs> there was a lot of it. that going on with a lot of different popes, not necessarily him. There's a lot of that going on. The popes were fairly worldly back then, Mike. They were not. Uh, they are not the arbiters of uh, spirituality that we might know them, might think of them as today. Come on, man. Back in the day, I feel like people were chasing after that Pope Peen. Let's go. <laughs> they fathered many illegitimate children. Uh, but Pope Julius, to give you an idea to who he was, uh, he took Julius as his papal name. Usually when you take a papal name, it's either a first thing like a, a, or you're like commenting on like an old saint or you're taking a name in honor of a previous pope. He did not take Julius in reference to the first Pope Julius. He took it in reference to Julius Caesar. So what? that gives you a little yeah, that gives you a little <laughs> bit of idea of what his papal priorities were. The papal Steve, are you telling me? That Pope Julius II was obsessed with Julius Caesar and was like, you know what? Let's bring that back. Let's go. He was the kick-ass take names Pope. (laughs) He was the Pope who said, you know what? I bet I could, at the same time as being the representative of Jesus on Earth, also be the guy that represents the power of the old Roman Empire on Earth. I bet I could do both of those at the same time. So he proceeded to then he was one of the few one of the few popes in history to actually take the field in battle against opponents. So when I say the papal states, when I say like part of Italy was controlled by the popes, I mean that from a militaristic standpoint. Like they had a standing army, they joined with other powerful figures like the King of France and the King of the Holy Roman Empire, and they took the field to claim what was theirs. And that was Pope Julius II. So just and I get that's just a little bit of flavor to let you know who we're dealing with as we go on here. I I there's a there's a little part of me. There's a there's a, you know my my primal being that has a lot of respect for a pope that's stepping out on the battlefield. I like battle pope. All right? You know cuz now now what do we got? Now we got pussy pope. All right? Now we hey, got the pope. Hey now. Hey now. <laughs> Let's. We don't know the was, religious connotations of certain listeners. We don't know how they'll take that. I I happen I, to be a fan of the current pope. No, the current pope's great, and I didn't mean him specifically. I meant like whenever we got the pope car, and we put in the now because then he's in a, he's in bulletproof glass and he's being driven around. You know, battle pope didn't have that choice. Battle pope was on a horse, being like. I, we gotta go kill some people. Let's. We gotta. We gotta. Battle Pope also didn't have sniper <laughs> rifles. No sniper rifle for Battle Pope. Just a just an axe in his hand. Or maybe he had a gun. I Anywho, just, I, I want to see Battle Pope with a what 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 was the Pope's? Do you know the, the Pope's weapon of choice while uh, while during the Crusades? I mean, I'm going to assume he probably had some sort of big staff because he has a big staff. So I presume he's like a staff guy. (laughs) 
Oh, man. It's supposed oh, to be a shepherd staff, and it's supposed to mean peace. So I don't know you want to then just start braining people with it. <laughs> Anywho, that's who... tells you, bitch! <laughs> Let's go! Bas- yes, basically. That's who Julius II was. <laughs> Julius II, now, battle pope with a big old staff. <laughs> Brennan, now Brennan Julius, the flock back. Brennan, okay. Julius commissioned Michelangelo... Not to work on the Sistine Chapel. He actually commissioned him to work on his tomb. So this is a very, this is a far-thinking pope. This is a pope who's like, look, I am going to die probably sooner than later. Am I right? And then he winks. Uh, (laughs) And I need some grand-ass shit to, I need a mausoleum. I need a grand tomb to showcase how badass I was. So he went to Michelangelo, the greatest sculptor of his day, in 1505 and said, hey, I need you to I need you to work on this for me and I need you to make it badass. So Michelangelo Michelangelo created a plan that it would have included 40 statues. 40 statues would have taken f- 5 years and it, it Michelangelo assumed it was going to be his greatest masterpiece, the thing everyone is going to remember him for. He spent the whole first year of the project just picking out the type of marble he wanted to use. And he also paid for the marble himself expecting eventual papal reimbursement only to storm off the job when the pope julius ii stiffed him for the bill what <laughs> oh uh, man the the, the 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 title i came up with at the top mike in case you weren't aware the agony and the ecstasy is actually a very famous historical fiction a work of historical fiction it was a book that was turned into a movie that basically told the tale of the painting of the sistine chapel and the rivalry between pope julius ii and michelangelo uh and it was uh charlton heston played michelangelo in the movie are you know steve that that's kind of brave of michelangelo you gotta you gotta have no fucks to be like yo battle pope (laughs) what do you mean you're not paying for my marble don't you know who i fucking (laughs) do you know who i fucking am you is what I assume he up. said before he stormed <laughs> off. Every time you look up to God, you're looking up at my painting. Let's no, but go. That's, that hasn't happened yet, remember? Because oh, this, oh, yeah, this is what oh, he originally okay. commissioned him okay. to do. So he walks off the job. Oh, so he walks... Uh, so he, the, he, this is pre-painting. So Yeah, he walks uh, so off t- the job. He's like, screw you, Pope. You're not going to pay me. I already I spent all the money on the marble myself, but you're not going to pay me back. I, I'm not, I can't work like this. I'm not, I'm not going to work with you. Um... So he storms off the job, and then Julius II basically says, I want, all right, this chapel, I want some great shit to go on the ceiling. Uh, so he was persuaded, he's like, I, I got to find somebody to paint this. Now, Michelangelo at this time was the most famous sculptor of his day, but he wasn't really known for his painting. Uh, he just so happened to also be fucking great at that, too, because these guys were just great at everything. And they didn't even realize it until they tried it. He just like starts painting things and he's like, oh yeah, I'm pretty good at this too. It mean, looks pretty nice, doesn't it? <laughs> so he was hired. So Julius was approached by the architect of St. Peter's Basilica, Donato Bramante, in league with Michelangelo's rival, Raphael. They, they went to Pope Julius and said, hey, you should hire Michelangelo to pipe your ceiling or to, to paint your ceiling. Uh, and they did it 
because they were jealous. Bramante did it because he was jealous that Michelangelo got hired to work on the tomb. And Raphael was eager to take him down a peg. So they convinced the Pope to do it, hoping that Michelangelo would suck at painting. Ah, okay. Again, okay. all these guys, all these guys hated each other. They were like, screw that guy. I'm the best. No, I'm the best. No. And the trick, the funny shit was is that they were all the best. They were all the greatest that would ever live, and they lived at the same time and they hated each other. That's fascinating, Steve. So, Steve, you're telling me that Leonardo, Raphael, and Mikey were all a bunch of like up their own ass, like Prima donnas, all every single one of them to a man. Divas. We're dealing with divas here. Divas. All of them. To a man. So Julius goes to Michelangelo and says, Hey, <laughs> these guys. A pope, I want to see a movie of uh, uh, the Pope and his divas. And it's just like. <laughs> it's hey, the Pope could be a diva too. Do you see how he dresses? Um, <laughs> so they convinced him to hire Michelangelo, even though they had the falling out. Michelangelo considered himself more of a sculptor than a painter, and then even went so far as to suggest Raphael do it instead. So Raphael said, hey, you should hire Michelangelo. Oh, man, this is going to be hilarious. Mike, Michelangelo sucks at painting. And, and that, but here's Michelangelo trying to give Raphael a job. And Raphael doesn't want to take the job before Michelangelo fails at it. Um, so it must have really <laughs> sucked for them. It must really suck for them after he then happened to just so happen to paint one of the greatest artistic works in the entirety of human civilization. And then it would also must have sucked for Bramante when years later, the next pope after Julius II would hire Michelangelo to finish working on the Basilica because Bramante couldn't finish it. So here's oh. Bramante and Raphael. They've each, they each want these great jobs. They hire Michelangelo, hoping he sucks. Turns out he's the best. And then Bramante sucks at his job, so Michelangelo comes back later on and finishes his job and finishes St. Peter's Basilica. Got insult to injury right there, man. So Michelangelo crafted the scheme for the ceiling, painting representations of events of the Old Testament. So you got the creation of man, which is the big one in the center of God and Adam almost touching each other's fingers together. Yeah. Uh, you've got the Great Flood and all the prophets. All told, he painted over 300 figures and 5,000 square feet of frescoes on the ceiling. And because he couldn't find assistants who wanted to work with him, he did most of it himself. Like, he would have certain assistants come and go, but they would eventually quit, either because he was a jackass to them or the job was too hard. And so he ended up doing most of it by himself. That's amazing. You know what? I guess sometimes you earn the right to be a diva, you know? And he he definitely earned that right um, because that wouldn't be the end of his work on the Sistine Chapel because it's not just the ceiling. 25 years after completing the ceiling frescoes, Michelangelo was commissioned by uh, Pope Clement IV and then eventually his, own, his successor, Paul III, to paint a new fresco for the altar wall. So the ceiling's done, the walls are done, but the wall behind the altar isn't. So it's like, that's a super important place because that's where everyone's looking if somebody's in there. They're looking towards the altar, and the first thing they're seeing is that wall. So the original subject was going to be the resurrection of Jesus, but this was changed by agreement of both Michelangelo and Paul III to instead depict the Last Judgment. So when I said so the Last Judgment, if that rings a bell to you, Mike, the end of all time when the earth is destroyed and everyone gets brought up to heaven and is judged by Christ to either go live in 
paradise for all of eternity or get sent to hell for all of eternity. Wait, 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 wait. Steve, are you telling me that the last judgment is when the earth ends? Yeah, that's when the earth... Wait, we already wrote about it? No, the final judgment is at the end of the world. God says, earth's done, no more earth. Uh, I'm going to make a new heaven and a new earth where everyone will either live like immor- as immortal spirits or they'll go and spend eternity in hell. And this is so, ev- the world ends, everyone goes up to heaven, Jesus goes, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, and then he rules over the rest of existence as king it's for all like, eternity. Uh, it's like Jesus and, um, and Lucifer uh, choosing, uh, choosing people for their kickball team. For their kickball teams, yeah. Except, <laughs> right? except Lucifer's getting all the shit players. Are you? You think? I don't know, man. I think look. Some I'm of not the, getting into the theological aspect of that. Of, of I think some of those that, guys in hell are well built for the for the competition, Steve. That's a great <laughs> theological metaphor that we will definitely discuss at a later date, but not today. Um, so the so the original subject is supposed to be the resurrection. They decide to change it to the last judgment. At the center, you see Christ painted. And I should mention this, uh, Michelangelo had a habit of painting biblical figures in the style of old, uh, you know, like they had all the, all this old Greek, all these old Greek and Roman statues of like Apollo and and Venus. And that's what they had to work from. That was like the ideal version of the human body. So Michelangelo would use them to portray biblical characters. So like when you see Jesus... Uh, when you see Michelangelo sculpt or paint Jesus, he's actually using images of the Greek god Apollo because it's like a, the perfect representation of the human body, which is what you want to give Jesus. <laughs> you got to give Jesus a, a rock and bod. Absolutely. Exactly. So now, many in the Pope's circle felt that the subject of the Last Judgment was inappropriate for the Pope's personal chapel. They viewed it, especially viewed it as inappropriate that in painting the subjects, Michelangelo used the physiology of those ancient pagan works. And there was one such critic, the papal master of ceremonies, uh, Biagio de, uh, de Cesena. He thought it was outrageous and would have been, quote, he said it was more at home in a public bathhouse or a tavern. Quote, it was mostly disgraceful that in so sacred a place there should have been depicted all of these nude figures exposing themselves so shamefully. Uh, because Michelangelo was a devout man as well as an artist, but his sort of like take on this subject was the nude human form is a pure expression of the divine. Like it was created by God. So why should we be ashamed of it? So ah, naturally my, so you're telling me, are you telling me Steve that Michelangelo was a wannabe nudist? He definitely didn't have a problem with it. Uh, even though many of the people, even this was the Renaissance where people were starting to be a little bit more loosey goosey with that sort of thing, but not necessarily all the people in power in the Catholic church. Um, but uh, oh, they, were they were just shy, Steve. It's amazing how little, you know, shyness, shyness can be cute until it gets deadly. You know what I mean? Deadly shine, <laughs> deadly shyness, the Mike Russell story. Starring Steven, Steven, Steven Seagal is deadly shy. So the mistake that De Chisena made was that he, he, does he openly discussed this criticism before Michelangelo was finished. So, the bottom of the fresco uh, depicts the damned falling into hell. And rather than paint Satan as its focal point, 
Michelangelo utilized a figure from Dante's Inferno, Minos, who was an ancient Greek king and a judge of the damned. So like in the old Greek underworld, before you went to the various places of the underworld, you were judged by three judges. And one of them was this one, King Minos. Wait, there's, uh, three, there's three judges? In the Greek mythology. In, the, in this one. So he's, he's playing a little, yeah, he's doing wait. a little fan fiction here. <laughs> I want to see like... Instead of like American Idol, it's American American Inferno, and it's the three judges of hell. <laughs> As you come in, you're like, all right, give, give us your your best uh, your best performance here. Can you do soft shoe? <laughs> Can you tap? Are you ventriloquist? Just note, ventriloquism is an automatic hell. Just know that. Auto- easy. <laughs> so now he's used. He's doing a little bit of fan fiction here, right? So Minos Michelangelo painted to resemble Biagio. Uh, adding for extra effect giant donkey ears and a serpent for a tail. And that serpent coils itself around the body and chomps on his dick, hiding his nudity. So Biagio oh, de Cesena, oh, Biagio shit. de Cesena s- talks shit about Michelangelo using too much nude. Michelangelo took offense to that and hadn't finished yet, so he thought, I'll just put a little, I'll just use as my, use as my little, uh, uh, model here, your face, and I'll put it on this tiny little demon man with big ass, literal big ass ears, and a snake for a tail that bites his own dick. And so now that's on the most famous, one of the most famous pieces of artwork to exist in all of human creation. That guy is forever painted on the most famous thing ever as having a snake for a tail biting his dick off. Steve! Are you telling me that Michelangelo committed probably one of the most obscene forms of bullying? Like, you know, they're warning kids, oh, you know, don't don't be, you know, be careful on social media and don't don't, don't post images of each other doing stuff that's not really happening. And Michelangelo was able to do this just by look, oh I, I got I, I know what you look like. I'm gonna paint you into this thing. Make you a donkey. Eerie with ears and, and have a snake bite your dick off because you can go fuck yourself. Tell me, hey, uh, I, there's too I don't much know nudity. what you wanted. I don't know what you wanted. It's hiding your nudity. It's hiding. You, I didn't show anyone your penis. That snake is covering it with its mouth. My wife has to look at this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, gotcha. wait till I'm done. Wait till I'm done before you decide to take shit on a uh, shit on my work. Uh, now, Biagio naturally Wise did lessons. not appreciate There's this. Lessons. There's lessons. Yeah, he, he naturally did not. He did not appreciate this. He complained to the Pope, begged the Pontiff to order Michelangelo to remove it, and the Pope reportedly replied, "Quote, Biagio, you know that I have power from God. Uh, you know that I have from God power in heaven and on earth, but my authority does not extend into hell, and you must have patience if I cannot free you from there." Pope's got jokes. <laughs> yeah, and I believe that was Paul the Third. That was that was Paul the Third. Pope Paul the Third. Oh, go go uh, Pope Pope Paul the Third. This wouldn't be the end of <laughs> critiques. Another critic, the playwright and satirist Pietro Aretino, also offered offense at the nudity depicted in the painting. Uh, despite I should mention, he himself writing about and indulging in taboo subjects of the day. And in response, Michelangelo included a painting of St. Bartholomew, which just so happened to bear a striking, a striking resemblance to Aretino. Uh, and in it, St. Bartholomew was depicted, according to the legend surrounding his death, as being flayed alive and holding his own removed skin. What? Wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait, wait. So, wait, wait. 
Go, go me again. So Bartholomew. What, what did mm-hmm. he do to, to, to get this? What did he? How did he piss off Michelangelo? No, no, no. Bartholomew is the saint, Saint Bartholomew. In, oh, okay. in the legend of the of Saint Bartholomew, he was flayed alive uh, for his beliefs. He he was he was killed by Roman authorities and being flayed alive. Um, so now Aretino talks shit about Michelangelo. Michelangelo's not done painting yet. Same mistake. So he depicted Aretino as Saint Bartholomew with his skin ripped off. Oh, I get you. So he put he put his face on he, he Michelangelo doing the first deep fakes. I mean, he's he's putting people's faces over. Just just angrily. I just would picture someone like angrily painting like this will fucking show you. This will last for five hundred years, you motherfucker. And dude, and he was oh man. I mean. That is, oh, you know, I I always knew I liked Michelangelo, but God damn it, his his way of spite is uh, <laughs> he actually is levels uh, of some great levels here. He had actually uh, he had he had been working with a guy named uh, Sebastiano del Piombo to come up with the the painting of the fresco and. Uh, Sebastiano uh, suggested that the painting be done in oil on plaster, which was his preferred method of painting. So he went so far as to have the wall plastered in preparation. Months later, after saying nothing about this, he basically said, hey, Michelangelo, we should do it like this. Michelangelo's like, oh, okay, whatever, man. He's like, okay, great. I'll go set, set it up. Had it set up and then said nothing for months. And then Michelangelo abruptly decided to do it a fresco style and had the wall replastered. So... He was basically like, he and his friend were going to work on it together. He said, yeah, yeah, man, whatever you want. Ignored him for months, came back, was like, oh, no, this is shit, guy. We got to do it this way, and just undid all of his work. Wow. Oh, oh yeah. that's dirty. He was, um, that's... He's, he's kind of a jackass. Kind of a bit of a um, jackass, but... Now, but... My, Michelangelo, what? No, it's just like a, a bit of a jackass, but at the same point, you you can't mess with him. He's He's too good. Now, Michelangelo finished the fresco in 1541 after five years of work. He would die 23 years later in 1564. And I should mention that that fucking tomb he was building for Julius II, it never got done. He only did like five of the statues, and they never even buried Pope Julius in it. What? Yeah. So like the thing he thought was going to be his masterwork never got finished. He only worked. He only did part of the work. And then the fucker never even got himself buried there. All right, Steve, there's been a lot here. So let me just let me just try to get a little recap. All right. So are you telling me that Michelangelo was originally hired by Pope Julius II to make his mausoleum tomb of which Michelangelo got overzealous and said I'm going to do 40 statues and he buys a bunch of marble to which then he walks off the project because the pope says I'm not paying for this. And he gets upset. He walks off the project. And then his nemesis get a job opportunity to paint the Sistine Chapel, which is the which is the big art piece that Michelangelo is known for. And they give it to him in hopes that he'll fail just to laugh at him and then take the job anyway. Correct. To which then he he does the whole masterpiece and he's absolutely killing it. He then goes and he has to finish with his nemesis jobs that he couldn't. What was that? But, Bulma's, uh, what? Uh, not, no, Bulma not Raphael, is a, not Raphael uh, Bul- but the other guy, the, the one with the B. Oh, Bramante, yeah. Bramante. Bulma is a Bulma is a Dragon Ball Z character. 
Yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, then he, uh, then Bulma, and then Goku comes in and wants him to make. <laughs> like, no, yeah, yeah. No. Pope Piccolo the second. Yeah. <laughs> in any case, so then he uh, he makes the the Del Fresco's um, the back. Thing he makes there. them Del <laughs> makes them off fresco. Makes them outside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He has brunch outside <laughs> he has while he's brunch painting, out, uh, uh, and he's painting a lot of nudies. And uh, the guy uh, complains, and then he makes him with donkey ears and there's a snake biting his dick off. And then another guy complains, and then he makes him the saint that gets his skin fried off, flayed off, flayed off, fried off. Flayed off, yeah. And then his buddy comes in and wants to help work on another Del Fresco with him, and he uh, he just completely ignores yeah. What's going on with him? Yep. And then and then does it himself. The, the, that's it himself. the last judgment. Yeah. The last judgment. The final judgment. So that's the story so far. Woo. Now we're getting okay. to the climax. All right. So I'm on, this, I'm, on, I'm on the same page here, yeah. Steve. Michelangelo. Yeah. So this is, Whew, done a lot. Kind of a douchebag. Kind of a douche, but you got to respect But everybody his work. is. But everybody, yeah, but everybody know, is. Isn't that, is that not a great mantra for life? Just do whatever you want because everyone else is. Um. So. <laughs> He finishes the he finishes the last judgment fresco. He dies 23 years later, 1564. Uh but in 1563, or rather in early, the early parts of the 16th century, there's a religious movement known as the Protestant Reformation. So up until this point, the Catholic Church has basic hegemony over all spiritual matters in western most of western Europe. Then you got the Protestant Reformation coming out of Germany, uh, thanks to uh, Martin Luther. You know the the ninety five theses where he's 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 a German guy. He puts the like the list of like complaints about the church. Basically, the Protestant Reformation comes about because a they think the church is getting too into the whole Renaissance thing and they're being too loosey goosey the rules. They're basically saying, "Hey, Catholic Church, you're being too fun. Yeah. Religion isn't about having fun." Ah. Uh- <laughs> So uh, now, when it came to Martin Luther, were they like, "Excuse me, uh, Miss Mr. Luther, do you? Uh, it seems here you have a complaint. A complaint. Oh, I have. Uh, I've got a few. Uh, I've got a almost a hundred. Yeah, I've been thinking about this for a while, guys. I got ninety-five problems, and God ain't one. Yeah, basically, <laughs> <Right>. yeah." <laughs> Uh, I, I want. I want to hear. I want to hear a song in that format. You about call Jay Z. You I, call Jay Z and you tell I'll him about it. Jay Z. Yo, Jay Z. Oh, let's let's do. Jay Z. How up are how up are you on uh, on 16th century European history? Okay, so now the Protestant Reformation has started, right? The Protestant Reformation has started. All these people who have had all these complaints about the Catholic Church being too humanist, they've been indulging too much, they've been corrupt and taking money and too worldly, they've been concerning themselves with less spiritual matters. Everyone is sort of jumping on board with this. You've got all these different Protestant faiths popping up, like the Church of England, which is a whole other kettle of fish. Um, And so the Catholic Church has to, like— guard itself. It's got to be like, okay, well, look, we're hearing you. We understand your concerns. So the Catholic Church creates what's called a counter-reformation. So you've got the Protestant Reformation. The Catholic counter-reformation starts where uh, you have the Catholic Church trying to be like, okay, well, we'll fix some things and see if that's enough. But at this point, it's not enough. And this kicks off essentially 
a like hundred hundreds of years worth of religious wars between all the different parts of Europe that ultimately kills about like eight million people, right? Where like all these like Catholic Europe and Protestant Europe are just going to war with each other. It wasn't enough that they were killing each other because they were different countries and wanted parts of their other countries. Now there's a religious aspect to them killing each other, which makes it even worse. I still can't get over these religious folks killing each other when that's not, you're not supposed to do that. It's, uh, it's fascinating. And I think it's so silly. It's so silly. It's, it's cause it's silly's 8 million people dead is a little beyond silly. <laughs> this is, <laughs> but anyway, like, uh, so, but they're killing each other when they believe in the same God. Yeah, they're, but they're killing each other because they don't like how the operation's going. Yeah, like, they don't like how what? the operation is. I, I don't I don't like how you guys are collecting funds and making more money than my church. I'd like it if maybe uh we saw some of that money. So we're gonna burn your we're gonna burn your place down. I mean, is that what kind of a little bit. It's a little that's a little simplification of it, but yeah, there's a whole lot more to it. But the church, the church institutes its counter-reformation, and this culminates in what's called the Council of Trent, held between 1545 and 1563, where they address a lot of these concerns, and one of them is the role of art in the church. So shortly before Michelangelo's death, the council decrees, quote, Every superstition shall be removed. All lasciviousness be avoided, in such wise that figures shall not be painted or adorned with a beauty exciting to lust, there be nothing seen that is disorderly or that is unbecoming or confusedly arranged, nothing that is profane, indecorous, seeing that holiness becometh the house of God, and that these things may be more faithfully observed. The Holy Synod ordains that no one be allowed to place or cause to be placed any unusual image in any place or church, howsoever exempted, except that image had been approved by the bishop. So basically they said... All of this naked shit has got to go. So a year later, Michelangelo is dead. He's Last dead. Judgment Fresco. He's dead. Last Judgment Fresco is in the Reformers' firing line. The Reformers want to do away with the whole fresco. They want to wipe the whole thing out, or paint over the whole thing. Oh my, so, Steve, are you telling me that these? Um, oh, well, I'm sorry. What, what, who were they part of? So the Counter Reformation. So like, this is still the, the this is the Catholic Church. Yeah, uh, they are. Are they cancel culture, Steve? Kind of. Yes, they are. <laughs> hey, they are engaging in like it a bit. It. We need it to not exist anymore. Take it down. We don't even want people even so, getting crazy ideas about this. this <laughs> so popes, popes Paul the Fourth and then Pius the Fourth, both the Fourth, commissioned a painter and admirer of Michelangelo, uh, Daniele de uh, Daniele da Volterra to get rid of the offending nudity. Like, there are some people that want to have the whole thing erased and painted over, but these popes are like, uh, it's too good, I don't want to get rid of it, maybe if we just get rid of the nudity. So De Volterra proceeds to paint over every exposed breast and every genital with a loincloth or a drapery or a veil, and he essentially puts underpants on every offensive figure. This would be known as, quote, the fig leaf campaign. <laughs> and for this work... For this work, which he was ordered to do by two popes, mind you, he was mocked by the public with the nickname Il Bragatone, or the Breaches Maker. Il so here's this guy, a painter in his own right, 
the, a fan of Michelangelo, wants to do right by him. And the thing he is most known and most famous for is for being the poor bastard they pushed into the room and said, you got to cover these dicks. <laughs> That's your lasting contribution to the history of human artistic achievement. Cover this dicks and boobs, please. Steve! <laughs> Are you telling me... <laughs> That braggadocious was the first censorship man. He was the first censor. Yes, he was. The, he was a, a a a prestigious position uh, back in the day. Look, he didn't like it either. Like he was, he was I not happy that he had to do this. Dicks all day. I gotta get right up in him. <laughs> uh, fun fact, by the way, the famously conservative Pope Paul the Fourth spent some time castrating many of the ancient classical statues displayed in, displayed in the Vatican. So when you go into the Vatican, there's actually a whole hall full of ancient Greek and Roman statues that the popes have collected over the years. Uh, and this guy basically went around being like, nope, can't show that. Chisel, chisel, chisel. Nope, can't show that. Chisel, chisel, chisel. What do you think he put all those nuts? I don't know, man. The Vatican archives? Like, like if, if you, uh, do you think he just threw them out or do you think he was a, 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 stat, a, a statue, a ball, the balls of... These, because they're, they, they, we're talking like the Roman statues of the gods and, and leaders, right? Is this, that yeah. he's taking all these yeah, nuts pagan off statues. Of? The pagan statues. And he's like, yo, I've got the nuts of gods. <laughs> I got them in my closet. So, you want to you come over yeah, and see them? Like, he, he, he basically, the Pope spent <laughs> centuries stealing a bunch of shit from the ancient Roman world because it was because they had the money and the ability to do it and they thought it gave them, you know, a sense of, you know, it was like a real big deal to own this stuff. And then little did they know, like centuries later, one of their own was going to be like, I can't look at all of these. I'm going to deface every single one of these ancient statues. So poor De Volterra, known as the breaches maker. Uh, ironically, uh, his work likely saved the entirety of the painting, because remember, it was at threat of constant destruction from the proponents of the Counter-Reformation. So because he covered over all those egregious parts, they had no practical reason to undo the whole thing. So that ended up saving it. It just meant Good that the him. poor guy had to had to just that's that's how he's known to history now is the, the underwear guy. <laughs> um, now, uh, do you think uh, now, Steve, you know, because back in the day. I mean, this was, I mean, we're, we're talking before people were looking at nudie magazines, before porn was invented. You know, people were having a lot of sex, I guess, back then. But, like, um, but there was, do you think the local pervs uh, got together and were like, yo, guys, listen, they're going to be covering up all these boobs and dicks. So we got to spank, bank it. We got to really gotta, gotta get it's it in It's funny. The it's funny you should mention that. Uh, there is uh, an official, I guess you'd call it an official spank bank. Um, <laughs> what? So we know for a fact, like it could very well have been lost to history that all of these things were covered up. Like there were several female figures that were also uncovered. Like they had uh, St. Catherine and St. Blaise. They all had their breasts exposed. And in one case, Blaise, uh, St. Blaise was painted as standing uh, behind a... Uh, a woman looking at her ass, um, or that's what it seemed like he was doing. Uh, 
Devaltera repainted her clothes with Blaze looking the other way. But we know all this today, thanks to a wealthy cardinal, Alessandro Farnese, who, fearing the coming censorship in 1549, hired an artist named Marcello Venusti to paint an exact replica of the original Last Judgment. So there is an exact replica of the original Last Judgment that you can go to. I forget where it is, but you can go to it and see it as it was before they painted over all the dicks and boobs. What? Yeah. What? So if those theoretical people you told me about existed, that's probably where they went. That's where they went. <laughs> hey, guys, I know where they got this exact painting, but you can see the boobs and dicks. Let's go. Except they wouldn't. <laughs> except they wouldn't, because, again, this is the Pope's personal chapel. It wasn't open to the public yet. Oh, right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, wait. How do you think the Pope felt about that? It depended on the Pope. Obviously, some of them had more problems than others. Imagine being like the first Pope to come in after it's covered up. And you're like, oh, ah, this is bullshit. I, heard, I, heard I was well, going to be able to look at boobs all day. Where are these boobs at? It's you. It's interesting. The Pope, the Pope. The papacy at this time, it usually actually kind of followed the same sort of pattern that um, kings and emperors did, where you would typically have like one pope coming in who would be really into the idea of owning land, having naked pictures of things all around him, generally getting down with the earthly things. And then the next pope after him would try to basically do the—would basically be the opposite, because they're like, oh— uh, as a as sort of like a, a counter to that pope is like oh i can't believe he did all those things i better do the exact opposite and then the next guy would come after him and go that guy was a prude let's start the party again and that's basically how the cycle would go what so steve are you telling me that you could see some real deep comparisons to uh how the the popes would come in and out of uh you know and leadership roles and and how they would take that is very similar to that of the United States government. And, you know, every four years, it's like, you know what, let's let's shift gears and drive right back in the other direction we were going. That's kind of how people work. So, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily put all the blame on. You know what, because we're all moderates at heart, Steve. I think that's that's my that's not my some of these popes position. That's. Some of these popes were fairly immoderate to the times that they lived in. But that's what happens when you have Some of these utter popes incomplete... just wanted to make babies, Steve. That's But Mike, that's what happens when you have like the level of power these guys had, none of us are con- none of us are anywhere near it. None of us have any idea what it was like. Not even the wealthiest, like craziest Elon Muskisk people among us today have any concept of the power that these people held. Because not only do they hold earthly power, they hold spiritual power. And that spiritual power, they lorded over every other person in charge up to a certain point. Like all the kings and queens of Europe that were Catholic, these popes had utter control over if they were crowned king because they had to be crowned by divine right. And the pope was the the Lord's representative on earth. So they had to be crowned by the pope. If the pope didn't want you to be crowned, you didn't get crowned, you didn't get your power. So he held power over, the popes held power over all these kings and queens, over all these emperors, and they also held sway over like the most ancient part of the world, the where the Roman emperor, oh, Roman Empire came from, and everyone wanted to be like the Roman Empire and like claim to be the new Roman Empire ascendant. And so these popes had so much fuck, like they could just like, oh yeah, go get me all of that 
oh, that famous ancient piece of art, go get that for me. Take it from the country it's supposed to be in and put it in my house. Like, we can't do, nobody can do that. Nobody could be like, Elon Musk is fucking rich, but he can go to the Louvre and go, put that in my fucking house. I want that. (laughs) The popes did that crap all the time. (laughs) That is incredible. You know, they were quest givers. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah, go get me that. <laughs> Bring um, it back here and then hang it up for me and make sure it's level. And then you know what? And you know what? <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you take my niece out for lunch? I think she, she could use a nice brunch date. <laughs> you wouldn't want to make me mad, would you? You wouldn't want to spend the rest of eternity in hell, huh? You wouldn't want your land seized. You ever hear something, a little something called excommunication? Well, then start yeah. communicating with my start beautiful niece. Okay. Start communicating <laughs> your lands and titles to me. Let me start seeing all this land. Let but, me. Mike, th- Mike, that is the agony and the ecstasy and the nudity. I hope you've learned a lot of horrible, horrible shit about some of the greatest works of art ever, fast, ever fashioned by human hands. Steve, I did learn a lot today. I learned, I learned that I, I another another Michelangelo out there that I, you know, I knew a little bit about him, but learning even more of his diva prowess. Uh, he, but he was incredible to to be known as a sculptor and then to paint and just be even better at it uh, than your nemesis, and uh, to be able to look look a battle pope in the face and be like, "Hey, go fuck yourself! I'm not making this tomb if you're not paying for the marble." I think that was great. And to uh, to have such a vision and a memory to be able to look at someone you don't like and then paint them into your paintings, depicting them getting their dicks chopped or uh, bit off by snakes. I mean, incredible. And the fact that popes that popes liked to get it on, and they had children all over the place. If anything, if anything, Steve, I think we need the popes of the past back. Right, we need we need these these Mike, these did you, did of you the mi- past. Mike, did you miss the part where I talked about the the Reformation and the Counter Reformation causing hundreds of years of religious wars that killed eight million people? Did you forget that part? That that shit wouldn't have happened under Battle Pope. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. He would have nipped sur- that right in the butt. He'd be like, "What are you guys doing? What is this Counter Reformation? Have you seen Have you seen my chapel? Have you seen my beautiful chapel? Have you seen this?" Look at all these boobs and dicks. Let's chill out, people, and have a good time. Everybody, you're all just jealous. That's it. If I can be the battle pope, depict, I'm gonna. I'd like to be him one day. That's it. Like you know. Well, that's something to aspire <laughs> to is to be is to be the warrior pope, Mike. And you got. You're not even a deacon. You're not even like a skirmisher deacon yet. So you should probably work on that. You know, it's funny. Uh, when I was getting confirmed, Steve. Uh, they wanted me to join the clergy. They were real. They were they, like, we got to nip this one in the bud as soon as possible. <laughs> well, that was the thing, Steve. I would have been down. I'm a, I'm a great preacher. I feel like I was real good at getting people going, you know, sending up to God best way they can about forgiveness and all that. But at the end of the day, Steve, I'm a man of love and I love God, but God damn it, I love me some ladies. I, I, how, how am I supposed to? What? What a more perfect saying to end on I couldn't have possibly come up with. That was today's episode, mostly because we got to stop. That was today's episode of Are You Telling Me? Uh, I hope everyone learned something. 
Uh, I know I learned certain things about Mike that I always I never always learn new things about Mike when we do these. Uh, you can my name is of course Stephen Trollo. You can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at your man Trollo. Uh, my personal website stephentrollinger.com and on the Dapper Devil Productions website with all of our good Dappery Devil things. Uh, and Mike, where can we find you? You can find me on my Instagram at mrmikerussell.com. That's mrmr.dot. And uh. Yeah, I, we don't I, have I feel, to do it like Steve said. No, you don't no, have I, to. Do I, that. I, don't, I don't have to. I, but Steve, I want to thank no. you. I want to thank you as I for for bringing all these great things for me to learn today. Uh, learn about things that I kind of had a vague remembrance of, and then get some finer details, some more uh, entertainingness of it all. Uh, yes, another sterling edutainment episode by the <laughs> both of us. Yes. Uh, and uh, with that, I'm going to sign off with what some historically have termed a curse and others have historically termed a blessing Uh, but I will say it now and we are certainly cursed with it but to all of you out there uh, thanks for listening and may you live in interesting times that's exactly what I'm telling you Mike Mike History, stupid.